Hey everyone, welcome to The Recruitment Show. We are talking about all of the major topics that people are discussing right now. Everything recruiting, future of work, and everything in between. I've got guests from all over the world to come and share their perspective and their thoughts and feelings and all of that stuff on these key topics. It might not be politically correct. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's people's perspectives and it's important to hear people's perspectives. I love storytelling and I think one story can illuminate a million more and really increase our understanding of these topics. So sit back, whether you're watching live or after, grab a drink, take a seat and enjoy. I think we're good to go, right? I reckon we're good to go. Amazing. We've kind of started anyway. (laughs) Of course we do. (laughs) (laughs) You can basically have like an hour long, an hour extra of kind of outtakes from the conversation. No, I love that. Because we were chatting, but I think it was all recorded, which is really good. (laughs) We'll do like an outtakes. Um, Thanks for joining me again. Oh, brother. It's always a pleasure. It's great. We do it like every year now. It's like maybe our fourth. I think it's our fourth. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because the first one we did, you were just saying, in the office. Yeah which was probably 2019. Pre-COVID, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Crazy. So for this one, I thought we'd do a little review of the year. Just like... Sounds great. How's it gone? Then I've got... um, We've got a bunch of polls that we've done over the year, which are really interesting. And so we just kind of like chat through that and then maybe just round up with a little like, what's in store? Our predictions for 2024. Optimistic, (laughs) pessimistic. Like, what's the... Cool, vibe. let's roll with it. Cool. How is the, how's the year been? 2023. 2023 has been a year of learnings. And I know that's kind of a like a often said thing. But for, for me personally and professionally, yeah, 2023 has been a, a big year of learnings. Um, so Because you set up your business this year, right? Yeah, last year. End of yeah, last year. Yeah, it was, it was last year. And so it's kind of 18 months now, I think. I looked on LinkedIn earlier. It was, yeah, 18 <laughs> months. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, I think the, the key thing is learning about people in a kind of business context. Yeah. You know, when you're a kind of CEO of a company, as you well know, um, you never stop learning. But I think certainly 2023 for me has been very significant in that respect. Yeah, yeah. The people, the people aspect is, mm. is crazy, isn't it? Because when you start on your own, I start on my own, completely on my own, and then you start, having people wanting to join you, spend some of their lives with you. And then you feel, you know, you move from I to we, which is quite a hard move. And then, you know, you're the coach, mentor, developing, investing in others and stuff like that. It's the game changes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some, I mean, there's been some really, really fun stuff in 2023 through kind of, you know, building a team um, and kind of working collaboratively collaboratively, um, with them. Um, but equally, there's been some, you know, just some learnings around, you know, how we think about kind of skills, experience, knowledge aligned to, you know, projects, outcomes. So, yeah, I mean, as a kind of people professional in talent acquisition and recruitment, it sounds strange to say that I'm still learning about people, <laughs> but I think it's a continuous journey. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, 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 100%. What about like just the year as a whole? Like, I think with, with a lot of TA folks, rec- uh, recruiters, uh, consultants, talent advisors, whatever word you choose to label yourself with. I think it's been been a really tough year. I think a year that most will want to forget. Yeah. It's been like, 
you know, for me, like my word of the year, I was thinking about this, I've said it a few times, but it's been stodgy. Yeah. You know, some industries have, there's been a lot of redundancies, like yep. financial services, technology, mm. loads of TA folks have been made redundant from a whole host of different firms. Uh, a lot of a lot of um, search consultancies have also made redundancies. And it's been tough for a lot of people. Yeah. I think uh, there's been a lot of hurt and pain um, in in the talent acquisition recruitment community through 2023. And it doesn't matter whether you're agency side, whether you're in-house, whether you're a consultant, whatever it is, you're all part of that community. And I think we've... So you've got the spectre of AI, which has invariably been consistent narrative all the way through 2023 or coming into 23 and, and for the majority of it and i think there's almost as well with that there's this real conflict challenge between talent acquisition as a service or a partnership and i think that's been super highlighted this year yeah. by the fact that i think companies have looked at it as a service thus made decisions based on that service um and that's where we've seen that's true. A lot of the redundancies come from. They don't see the kind of, they've seen it as a service that they require for a certain period of time. Um, and anybody within that particular function, you know, ultimately, if we if we don't need that service, and unfortunately, we, we can't retain those individuals. I don't think it's been looked at as a, the, the real value add and business partner that it is. I mean, because it's, it's ironic, isn't it, that probably... The, in, the, in the top three things every year that leaders say are their biggest worry and biggest concern and one thing they're going to lean into is hiring the best talent. Yeah. Yeah, in the same breath, they're very quick to scale up and scale down or, you know, kind of get rid of the talent acquisition function that brings in that talent. I don't know, man. No, it's true, it's true. And then and then you like, you, you see it because it's cyclical because mm. Soon enough, the, the, it changes. And I, I think even now you're starting to see a few more mm. TA roles pop up. Yeah. And and the game changes. But then you're asking the same people to then represent you in the market, tell your story, attract them. Mm. Uh, and also this, the, the, the other thing is when the game gets tough, this particular firm just cut people. And you have yeah. these boomerang employees. I think it was, I can't remember which company it was, Salesforce or somewhere where they're trying to attract people back that they, they made redundant like six mm. months ago. So I'm really sorry we weren't there for you, but it's kind of fun. Come back. We made it. So that's also going to be quite interesting. You know, yeah. also that, that like kind of the scale up VC space that you're in. Mm. And, and, you know, like a lot of it was, you know, come here and we, you know, you can make a billion when we exit and all of this kind of stuff. And then funding dried up. They cut a lot of folks this last year, 18 months. And again, it's going to be interesting to see if those those companies are going to have any issue attracting people back or attracting new people. Will people forget? Will they even care? Like, I think that would be... That's a good question. Man. I think, um, back to your original question around kind of 2023, I think that, that kind of funding environment has genuinely fed into these kind of multiple things that have impacted talent acquisition and recruitment. So the, the funding environment, um, the spectre of, of kind of AI and what that means for kind of talent acquisition and recruitment. And then ultimately just the, the kind of economic environment that has actually then kind of impacted, I think, the UK economy, right? Um, so we've seen these, these kind of mass redundancies. To your point, will these companies struggle to firstly retain the current talent <laughs> that have seen people and their friends leave the business? And then can they actually attract talent back to their business i think there there's going to be a fundamental challenge for them because you know people can research so much online now right yeah 
Yeah. You know, regardless of how you spin the narrative, oh, you know, we didn't quite get the funding that we wanted. Um, it was a little bit more of a challenging funding environment. Okay, cool. What did you do to steady the ship? Oh, well, we basically left, let 50% of our workforce go. <laughs> that doesn't sound particularly attractive and reassuring to me. Yeah. It's interesting you're seeing a little backlash with uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI, mm. the board getting rid of the CA. How many was it, Mira? 75% of the employees were like, we're going to, 95% yeah. of the employees were like, well, we're out. There's two things to that, right? So that is one, obviously, and you have been consistent in this message around how people are influenced by leaders in a business and how much impact that has on a business. But the one thing I I, I kind of noticed today that maybe has gone on a a little unnoticed. So they put um, the CTO as the interim CEO, didn't they? Yes. And uh, she'd been in the business for, for quite a while. And then they very quickly replaced her with another white male. Because we need another white male basically well, leading a tech the, company, right? This was the um, this is the founder of... Um, Twitch. Twitch, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's he basically taken time out, spent time with his, his family, which is fantastic. And then suddenly, you know, he made some probably very quick decisions around kind of returning to work as the new CEO of OpenAI. But I just, I, I kind of felt like... Uh, as soon as they sort of mentioned about kind of Santa Altman's um, kind of dismissal removal, they appointed an interim CEO um, in in Emira. I'm talking as if I know her on first name terms. Um, <laughs> but then within a few days, they'd appointed a CEO, and I was just kind of like, well, if 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 she's good enough to promote into an interim CEO role, why do you feel the need to re- replace her so quickly? And then Microsoft offered them jobs, right? Who are the major? Are they the, I guess they're not the major. Are they the? They're an influential investor. I yeah. think. Yeah. But are they the majority? If they're the majority shareholder, I need to check this out. Yeah. I, check I don't know, but I know that in the statement that they uh, they kind of they mentioned around the appointment of the new CEO, they did make reference to the partnership with Microsoft. Yeah, and, yeah. And everything. Yeah. I mean, they put a lot of money. Yeah, they put yeah. a lot of money. But I think that's an interesting one to end. Like you know, it's November. Um, but it's just a really interesting scenario with mm. the, with this because I think be if the if the if the team the ninety five percent are like we're going to walk how much influence they'll have and mm. whether or not in a week or two we're going to see him back in the seat mm. and they'll and they'll you know and they'll like the uh, you know what what's the uh, the gladiator thing um, you know win the crowd and you'll win your freedom or something yeah yeah, yeah. you know oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean th- I I think obviously because of the global visibility of open AI, open AI and the multiple conversations that they're in at a kind of business, economic, political level, the CEO position in that in that that business that entity is is critical. Moving on from him, mm. I think for me one one interesting thing of twenty twenty three was was X Twitter X Elon. <laughs> I mean, you know, it'll be a miss to not look back at twenty twenty three uh, and mention that because. I think it's super interesting because he was like, you know, because there was a whole conversation again this year has been about, it's followed on from the others, but flexible working, work from home, yeah. five days in the office, five days at home, whatever, you know, just whole mm. like kind of working vibe. Yeah. And Elon's like, you want to come work at, well, it was Twitter at the time, right? Yeah. Come work at Twitter, it's five days a week, 24 seven. Yeah. You like it, great. If you don't go somewhere else. A lot of people left. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they're called X now. Yeah. What do you think of just that whole dictatorship? Could be. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of immediately what springs to mind. I mean, it's kind of like, um, 
I, yeah, I'm, I mean, yes, to transparency <laughs> around how, yeah. you know, the business operates. So I suppose you can kind of credit him with being ultra transparent, but equally, um, you know, kind of flexible working, working from home, that's the new norm, right? I mean, you can't mandate people being in the office five days a week now because we all know that you can operate outside of having to be in the office. I mean, this has no, been I, proven. No, so. I agree with you, but I think, I think it was McKinsey. I think we found it the, uh, a few months, uh, like last month. There was a poll done and like most, it was like 89% of CEOs. I'll try and find it and put mm. it in the uh, the comments when mm. we release this. Um, that like 89% of CEOs said that they reckon people will be back in the office five days a week by 2026 or something. I don't believe that. But there, are, there is for me, this 2023 just on that, I am seeing a little bit of a trend build of people wanting people back in. Like I've got a few friends, they have to tap in. It's almost yeah. like the factory era. They have to tap oh, in. Wow. Uh, my friend was in only three days. He was supposed to be in four. He had like a, something going on. And, they, um, and HR called him. Uh, where were you? You're supposed to be in four days a week. You have to do an extra day in the office next week. You're joking. Yeah. Another what? friend, he cycles to work. Yeah. He's supposed to be in four days. And he was tapping around, around like the, the bike shed where he yeah. puts his bike in and it wasn't being registered. Okay. He got an aggressive call from HR. Why aren't you coming in? Your contract stipulates you have to. Anyway. Wow. So, so there's a little bit of a, um, yeah. a trend I've seen building in 23. And uh, maybe we can address it at the end, whether yeah. you think the team 24. But have you, have you seen I, that? I mean, I, I kind of, my, my thought process around this is, um, you know, the, the kind of dynamic and relationship between employer and employee has changed as a result of kind of COVID. And we've discovered a lot. As I said, you know, working from home is possible. It doesn't, doesn't impact output, doesn't impact pro productivity. It's about choice um, and finding, you know, offering choice and finding compromise against what the business needs and requires um, and perhaps what that individual leader needs. So they may need a couple of days in person in the office with the team. And if the rationale behind that is sound and, you know, everybody benefits from it, then great. But kind of mandating a period of time in in office seems, I mean, there's one sure for, that's one sure way of, of kind of making people make a choice about whether they want to stay in your business or not. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, immediately I think to retention then. Because yeah. people are going to be like, okay, well, this is not really something that I want to do. So I'm going to immediately go start looking elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine being the manager that has to tell their team um you've got to be in five days a week from next month yeah i mean it kind of, kind of, it kind of feels like school you know what i mean the register when you used to kind of go in and yeah you have to clock in clock out yeah exactly Absolutely. or to your point that kind of victorian kind of industrial era kind of warehouse mentality where you're like right clock in clock out there's your hours yeah um but the, again it's kind of you're focusing on the amount of time a person is in a space as opposed to the outputs and the value they're adding you're, you're putting almost equal um priority on both when in actual fact for me as a kind of leader it's the output that's valuable you know it's yeah, the yeah. impact you're making yeah that's the piece that's that's really valuable yeah and you have to be able to measure that like what is you know what does a successful year look mm. like for this person yeah what do the output look it doesn't matter you know if they take one hour or 10 hours yeah i mean if it takes me 12 hours to do what they do in one hour more for me yeah and well then, yeah you know well, it's just kind of, I always maintain that, you know, if you can do what you need to do in a day and you can do that really efficiently and very quickly and you start, you know, my co-founder, Diego, I mean, he starts at five o'clock in the morning. He's always been like that. So 
you know, imagine a scenario where you're sort of saying to him, well, you need to be in the office at nine o'clock. He would have already done four hours work before <laughs> he actually arrives, right? So what's he going to do from like nine through, even if that rolls into sort of, you know, he ends up finding work all the way through to one or two o'clock. He's got another four hours to kill. It's crazy. What's he going to do? He's on coffee five before you've even waken up. I exactly. Mean, it's like... So it's kind of, you know, it's understanding the rhythm and when people work best and, you know. When... There is an actual thing about, I was reading um, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Yeah. And it's a thing, you know, night owls and what's yeah. the morning... Uh, whatever they call the morning people. Like anyway. larks. Larks, yeah, that's it, larks, yeah. yeah. So your circadian rhythm stuff, it's a thing. Like yeah. you are, so a lot of people say they're better in the morning, like your, your colleague, because they are. Yeah. Some love working late at night because that's when they're most productive. Yeah. And I think for, for creating a company and stuff, appreciating that different people work differently yeah. and better at different times is yeah. great, right? Yeah, exactly it's that. Just start at 10 if that, and then finish later. We'll start at 5 a.m. and yeah. does it really matter? Unless you're doing a job where obviously you have to be which is you know. acknowledged, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of almost like, you know, there there are jobs that require you to be you on like site. Shift work or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and completely respect that. But I think in knowledge work, yeah, there should be that that kind of flexibility. Um, it just it makes common sense to me. Yeah, no, for me too. For me too. I think we're biased, really, aren't we? Because we're we're both of that school that we're just like, you know, look, you be where you are to do your best work. You know, as I'm seeing the value and the outputs, totally cool with me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of almost like that servant leadership, right? Yeah. I, I can't imagine a world where we turn around and be like, right, nine o'clock in the office, through to five thirty, half an hour lunch break, that sort of thing. Just that's how it used to be. That's how it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Two fifteen minute breaks and an hour for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then on the other side, let's just talk about like the employer. Mm. I mean, again, you have to do what's right for your company. Yeah. For and sure. I, and I guess you know if you feel like Elon. If you feel that for whatever reason this is the way, then again for me it's about communication. It's going to lead me on to my next my next kind of highlight, yeah. well not highlight of the year, but um, but if you as long as you communicate up front, I think what people don't like is when they get cha- it gets changed on them. Mm. Is when you're in a firm, you're enjoying, you're doing really well, and suddenly like, right, you got to buy the season ticket again, and you got to do your two hour commute, and I want you in. Otherwise, mm. go find it. That that's harsh. If it's like I'm hiring for this job, this is the this is the the deal. Mm. Then you can decide whether it suits you or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, again, it comes down to transparency, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and transparency of communication all the way through this. And I'm sure we'll come on to it in terms of the, the kind of specter of AI. But I think there's a lot of kind of fear mongering going on around, and a lot of kind of closed door meetings going on around what you know kind of ai we're talking about artificial narrow intelligence here right and we were were quite a way off from kind of you know agi right but it's kind of almost like how are we thinking about that in terms of our business and we need to be involving our team members and our employees in that conversation because if they feel like they're not included in that conversation there's no transparency around what that means for them yeah they're going to do what's right for them based on what they know and if there's a lack of security or perceived security around their role, they're going to make a choice to leave. Yeah, no, it's true. That's true. What do you think, just following on from that for the AI, one thing I've seen recently, I mean, really in the last few months, um, or it's been around for a long time, but these mm. transcription apps. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like there's a bunch of the Meet Geek, mm. uh, MetaView, yeah, yeah. a few others. So so I guess for, for those who don't know that, you can you just transcribe uh, video calls, phone yeah. calls. You can even do the video you can press play on it and stuff. Mm. What, are, what are your thoughts on, on that? Have you seen it 
as a as a proper trend in the work that you guys do and I've, companies? I haven't. Um, I think um, I still think that you you get the early adopters. You get the individuals who are prepared to try and kind of utilize tech to enable better kind of human experiences and you know, kind of greater efficiencies. And then you get the the kind of majority or the late majority. So is it is is everybody in talent acquisition and recruitment use, utilizing kind of um, you know kind of AI tooling to some degree or another? But I don't think it's kind of widely adopted and consistently adopted. That, but that would be my yeah. my yeah, impression. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of talk about it. That's for sure. There is a loads. Yeah, there's loads. I mean, I mean the transcription stuff. I mean LinkedIn recruiter that every recruiter uses. Um, I mean that's got AI baked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere like you know, find similar candidates to this one, and um, you know, email sequencing and writing. I think they even have a little AI that they can write your outreach yeah. and. It it it, it, what, it does come or? back. Well, yeah, the thing is, I, I think I always think about your authentic voice, right? So if if you know, uh, and I have noticed certainly with with kind of chat GPT over the course of this year that suddenly, if you look back through people's LinkedIn feeds on certain LinkedIn feeds, there is this inflection point where somebody has become super articulate very quickly, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, they've suddenly gone from like really quite scrappy LinkedIn posts to these long form narrative. I'm just like, uh, the, 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 the kind of correlation and timing of that just seems a little bit too kind of um, yeah, yeah. convenient, should we say? I think say. also a telltale sign is when you look at the hashtags and there's capital letters, yeah. you know, it's like... Uh, personal development i mean most people you just like hashtag and you write the lowercase yeah. and I'm, I'm all for and i, I think yeah. you know you can utilize them to you know kind of better grammar great um you know and uh, when you're thinking about um you know kind of other demographics it can be really useful um but i think just utilizing it to just pump out content that genuinely doesn't have your authentic voice at the center of it i i'd, I'd, I'd be concerned about that to be fair yeah. Um, because then when you get that person in front of you in a conversation, you have an expectation based on the content you've seen. And if. And you're like, hold on a second. Is, <laughs> it, is that what? Are you, I, yeah, I've read I, something that you, but that's not you. Yeah. I just, I, I just want to know that somebody's really passionate about what they're, they're, yeah. they're kind of, you know, kind of sharing with the world. Um, yeah. And that it actually comes from a, a place of authenticity. Yeah. I mean, why not utilize. Um, ChatGPT and numerous other kind of AI tools to to sharpen up some of the tone, maybe you know, sharpen up some of the language, but don't create a whole <laughs> whole package of content that genuinely you 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 basically put ChatGPT write something on blur, and you just got a whole you know kind of post, and you're just pinging that out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And if you're in England, change it to US, UK English. And yeah, US English so the, the Z's. Z's and S's, right? That's yeah, yeah. Telltale sound as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on it, um, from, from, you mentioned conversation, you mentioned authenticity. So moving on to human skills. I think also mm -hmm. a theme for this year for me is AI is going to do AI stuff. I think for the individual, um, doubling down on your human stuff is mm. going to be important. And conversational skills for me yeah. is so important because being able to have a chat like this, right? Yeah. I can't be like, oh my God, like, what do you think? Glenn just messaged me, like, how should I respond? Like, you know, you're asking me a question, I'm answering you. Yeah. I pick off something you've said, you know, yeah. like it's an art. Yeah, yeah. A real, a real, a real skill to develop. And I think linking that to like 2023, there's just like, if you think of like everything going on in the world, the wars, mm. the, the all of this stuff. And then you have, you've had themes of like, you know, bring your authentic self to work. Um, there's this hyper, like we're, we're in a like hyper state of like, everyone's offended. 
and safe spaces at work to have conversations mm. you know all of this kind of stuff right i think yep. it's interesting and for me it all like all of it boils down to if we're able to there's a lot of people most humans can't have a conversation with someone about something that they fundamentally disagree with without turning into an argument yeah or for me trying to convince you that actually you should be thinking like what i'm thinking you're wrong yeah you know and, and, and also through like life school everything's about debating like trying to convince you argue everything going on like you see at the moment everyone's arguing with each other and stuff so for me like a big thing that from this year that i'm gonna i want to move forward into 24 is you know part of conversation is listening and you need to listen to understand not to respond yeah for sure and if you listen to someone to understand them then you can find some kind of common ground mm. whatever that is in work whatever you know i think that's a really good thing to work on yeah for sure i completely agree I think that to your point, certainly in the in the business world, there is a lot of convincing uh, as opposed to active listening, um, and it's kind of it's driven by that that hierarchy as well, right? I need to convince this group to deliver X. I need to convince them of my vision, as it were. Um, so when you go into those kind of working group sessions, you know, you've been yeah, in them before, yeah. right? You're working group yeah. sessions with a leader and you, you kind of get the sense already that, well, what we're going to do is already predefined or decided. We're just here to basically agree that that's what we're going to do. Yeah. As opposed to actually thinking about proper collaboration where we're, we're aiming to really influence in a very different way and affect the work that we do and the outcomes. Yeah. Um, and that, to your point, comes really down to, real communication real active listening and and being comfortable with somebody having a, a kind of an opposing opinion or a different opinion or a different perspective yeah. and not just going into that conversation thinking i need to convince them of my position yeah 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 no you're right because all the like project groups boardroom tables a lot of it is mostly whoever shouts loudest gets that you know and then your your point of view or your your vision or strategy hasn't been taken forward and you like storm out yeah. you know and you like speaking to oh, this person you know suddenly all of a sudden the ceo's just been kicked out mm. um the board's got together you know um but it's just way better there's a guy called edward de bone i think he's a british like um philosopher guy and he's got this book called the six thinking hats method and so with like boards with boards or groups it's like we sit down we'll have like the blue hat on so we're all thinking about new ideas then we put like the green hat on so like, why is it, why are these ideas so good? We're all talking about it. Then we put the red hat on. Anyway, suddenly you can imagine, you know, fast forward a little bit of time and you've all collectively decided mm -hmm. that this is the best way forward. And so no one's feeling hard done by. No one, you know, we all collectively move forward. Mm. That's a really good spot to get to. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think it, the, the, the element there that you're talking about is time, the investment of time to get to a point where we collectively agree with the vision going forward. Yeah. And, and oftentimes there's, there, there isn't that time invested because a business needs to scale quickly, it needs to deliver outcome, it needs to gener generate revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So that kind of almost baking in that time to do that, that kind of working group, that session, and all agree isn't, isn't afforded enough time. Um, so then we're, we're left with the CEO's vision and everybody needs to be bought into the CEO's vision. And that's not so much collaboration, more cooperation, right? It's kind of everybody agreeing to the tasks that deliver on that end goal. And that is definitively different from collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be, what's my quote? It's not my quote, but you want to be a part of something, not a participant in something. Yeah. You, if you feel like you've had some input into it, mm. then 
you're going to feel even more invested. Yeah, for sure. Which is a good spot. I want to cover a few polls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go for these it. Are our, these are our, like some of our best performing polls. Yeah. Nice. This year, which I thought would be quite cool. And just like kind of, we can just tr talk through them. Um, so our first one is like your best performing employee lies on their resume or CV. So I had a, had a client, um, I think it was like a year and a half in, it's a sales role. Their best performing salesperson, it turned out, didn't actually have a degree. And they put the degree on their CV mm -hmm. and they found out the team knows and the manager's like, like Lewis, what do I do? Now I'm going to give you the poll stats. Yeah, give, yeah, just yeah, to yeah, how you think about that. an answer yeah, to that. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, 63% uh, of people said let them stay. The comments generally, they'd focused on like, did the job really need a degree? So they were kind of justifying why the person lied. Mm. They'd missed out on some jobs. You know, did they really need a degree? 19% of people said fire them. Um, Ouch. My view, yeah. if I can share my view, was once someone has lied, it's a very hard place to get it back from. The team knows if you keep them, I mean, what, does that, what message does that send to the team? What else have they lied about? So the fact the fact that you know the degree the degree the degree thing I think is a separate conversation. Mm. You know some jobs require degrees, some not. That's a whole different debate. When you're leading a team and one of your guys has lied, uh, and everyone knows about it, it's a it's a lose lose scenario for you. I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a question of integrity there, right? And you know, I would always want to know and understand why that individual felt compelled to do that. So it's kind of case by case and situational, right? And to your point, if this individual had been really, really struggling to secure a job opportunity um, and the degree wasn't really something that was needed, but they thought it might sort of bump them further out of the pile, then again, there, there is a question of integrity there. And I think it'd be really difficult for me to say definitively whether I'd sit in the, I'd fire them or I'd keep them camp. Um, but to your point, trust is key to growing and building and fostering the dynamic within any any team. And everybody needs, it's not just me having to trust them, the team needs to be able to trust them. And I think that's the piece that would then, interestingly, require the team's input. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. You're in the other please comment section. Um, but... <laughs> It's a hard one. It's a hard one. It's difficult, man. It's I wouldn't. I generally wouldn't go default fire them. You would because not. Because it's, it's never. Fire. It's never that simplistic or linear. No, it's true. It's true. It's a real difficult one. Mm, love that. Um, another one, really interesting one was. Um, so, uh, um, this is like career gaps. So oh, the, the kind of the thought of this career gap. So, you know, like so much of recruiting subjective, right? Like. So job hopper, what's a job hopper? Every six mm. months, every year, every two years, every three years, who knows? The person in question had four to five jobs in five to seven years. So they'd, they'd moved every year and a half, right? The question was, um, I mean, they said bad bosses, toxic culture is not the right fit. We've also had COVID, you know, like a lot of people have been made redundant. We also mm. this year, if you look at the TA population, recruiters, yeah. a lot of people have been out for a while. Mm. There were a lot of TA and folks and recruiters that have done a year, got made redundant, joined again, got not not their fault. Mm. Um, so the question was, was, would you hire someone like this? And the options were absolutely red flag, no way, or other comment below. 
Um, so just over half, 58% said they would hire them. 30% said no way. What's your take? Uh, context. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so important. You're not hiring a piece of paper. You're hiring an individual. Totally. And, and so for me, you might miss out on incredible talent from your own biases. Yeah. So, so for me, um, there's obviously context. I mean, imagine you've had 500 applications for a job and you're trying to go through them. You have to sell, do your selection criteria. But for me, you know, that is, there's a story behind it. Mm. Now, if I sit down with them and I want to hear their story, okay, and then, hey, if it's like, hey, do you know what? Someone offered me a new job for more money, I moved. Someone offered me a job for more money, I moved. Someone offered me, then I'd, I'd be a little bit cautious. But I want to hear the story. Yeah. And I want to hear about, because for me, it's not just, it's the other stuff. Like, I call it like, and again, it's not my quote, mm. but I want to hire people that with batteries included. <laughs> i.e i.e it's a good one. great on that right batteries included for me hiring for my own firm is like a plus human yeah loves recruiting mm-hmm. an open mindset like yeah. want to continue trying new things developing cool. whether it's trying the transcription app or a bit of ai or whatever but just open to like developing and stuff like that yeah, yeah. um and you can't tell that from a piece of paper definitely i i would i would start at that point where clearly your kind of initial screening process is not asking the right questions if you're deciding whether to bring somebody forward based on the duration of the the roles they're in and because surely you should be thinking about the kind of skills experience and knowledge that they may have collated over that five-year period and collectively does that offer a compelling application um yeah yeah, these are kind of urban myths around (laughs) kind of like you know job hopping and all that sort of thing man we're we're in the space now where the portfolio career is the standard it's the new norm four generations in the workforce right it's going to be a standard if you're a leader still hanging on to oh they job hopped around a little bit um yeah you're you're focusing on the wrong things but i reckon like 90 percent of people are still uh, are like that yeah for sure that's why we've still got the urban myths of (laughs) i need to see at least three cvs before i can make a hire blah 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 but you know these things are perpetuated year on year but they don't seem to go away no, so no, they're, no, they're almost like the pillars of of how people understand recruitment. You just like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any logical sense. No, you're right. But we're we gonna <sighs> just gonna smash them up. <laughs> That's what we're gonna have to do. <laughs> I don't think it's changing in 2024. These I, these yeah, things. I you're agree. right. You're right. Like job hopper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three CVs. But, but, it, I mean? but again, immediately we jump to this kind of negative assumption that because somebody's moved between jobs, there must be a reason why they're clearly either not good at their job or there's something they've done wrong or, you know, or they're motivated by money. Why do we immediately default to the negative? Yeah, you're right. What what if they they, they did an amazing job over a 12-month period, collated loads of experience and were like, you know what? The natural next step for me is this second role. Or I've got a five-year plan and these five jobs were all part of my five-year plan. I'd be super impressed with that. But you wouldn't even get to have that conversation if you just went, well, 12 months here, 18 months there, whatever. Yeah, yeah no, so, so right. So right. I think it's hard for, I think it's hard for people if, when they're hiring, if they're certainly like they've grown up in a corporate career and mm. they've gone through this ladder and it's they've stayed a bunch of time. And like mentally, it's quite hard to hire someone like that, I think. Like and that's my excuse for it. Mm. Because a lot of recruiting is also to the negative point. It's like, they don't want to take the risk or they don't want to make a bad hire. You know, by, you always see this hiring for pedigree or, you know, they're hiring for a tech firm and they've come from, 
you know, a well-known tech brand. Oh, they're great, great, great. That must be good. Versus like, so who, who's that startup? Never heard of them. And I think mentally it's quite hard for people. Yeah. I mean, you, you might be in danger of projecting your own unconscious bias yeah. onto a hiring process. And this is why, you know, kind of really really effective hiring managers people you know are hiring put a lot of time and investment in continuously learning and understanding how best to you know kind of make the decisions and identify talent you know it's not just something you you do periodically to build out a team you have to keep working on that it's your responsibility to yeah i agree let's see let's see i'm gonna got, got two great ones here now cool. the ai one's interesting yeah okay and so a lot of folks now use ai to apply for jobs yeah write their cvs <laughs> and write their cover letters yeah, yeah yeah like i mean linkedin i don't know if this is ai but anyway linkedin has an auto auto apply as most people know yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts on on people using ai to write their cvs and write their cover sheets and also for context you can basically put the job description into chat gpt and you can say write me a bespoke cover letter yep. then you get the bespoke cover letter, then you get an interview, mm. you put the job description and say, hey, predict what questions they're gonna ask, give me the model answers, whatever. Um, the question was, how do you feel about candidates using AI to apply for it and prepare for interviews? 58% um, said concerned about authenticity, 37% said very impressed. So I know what your view is probably gonna be, but mm. what do you think about it? Yeah, it's authenticity. Because ultimately you can, utilize these AI tools to write your cover letter, write your CV. You can even, you know, to be fair, game the application process by, you know, kind of populating answers generated by ChatGPT into the, you know, whichever platform. But at the point where you meet a human being <laughs> in the process, which you invariably will, if what they've read doesn't marry up to the authentic individual that they're interviewing in front of them, they're going to know, right? You'll know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the process will ultimately define whether that's real or not. So if it's a time efficiency thing and you're applying for lots of jobs, okay, fine. You know, if you want to use AR tools, you go for it. But be mindful that it has to be your authentic voice because you will be sitting in front of somebody at some point being asked questions and they're going to have an expectation already of who you are based on what they've read already. Yeah, yeah, it's true. The other side of the coin for that mm. is um, you've got to do all you can to get yourself in front of a human. And so some of the, you know, some of the conversations like, you know, no one, no one responds to my job application on LinkedIn. Uh, I send, you know, people send applications. They don't get hit. They don't get anything. They want to get, they want to get through Completely the door. Completely understand, That's man. Completely understand because sometimes it does feel like a volumes game when you're an individual looking for a job and it's, you know, it's a lot of work, right? I mean, and to yeah. your point, you do want to get in front of a human being. Yeah. But when you, you have that opportunity that what they've read, what they've seen from you needs to kind of align with the person that they're meeting. Um, and I know that, you know, the job market's tough, right? So you yeah. got to do what you got to do. But that authenticity is, is the key thing. Yeah. Always. So if you're using it, at least revise it before you go in for an interview. But just yeah. edit, make yeah. it your own. I mean, you look, yeah. you think about it, you know, like my mum's dyslexic. So when she was applying for jobs, you know, something like ChatGPT would be great for her because it helps her. It's a supportive, you know, it's an enabler to yeah. allow her, you know, um, you know, my, my nephew's, um, you know, kind of dyspraxic. So for him, concentrating on a text-based application 
can be really it's it's challenging, and these things can enable him to be able to apply for jobs, yeah, which is great and it's fine as long as there's a, almost a disclaimer with that. Um, so there's you know there's there's positives to that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Last one. Yeah. Before we like look ahead, and I like this, and this was this year. Um, so um, so the the Goldman Sachs CEO. David Solomon, I think, isn't it? David Solomon? Yeah, it is. Yeah, David yeah, Solomon. Yeah, this guy. Um, so, so Goldman, I mean, Goldman's had a bad, I mean, a lot of banks had a bad year, right? So in this past, in his, in his spare time, he's a DJ. And so he, so he's a Goldman Sachs CEO by day and he's been DJing. Hmm. I mean, I don't know, not, not every single weekend, but he's been hmm. DJing, you know, on the side. Yeah. And I think he just recently retired as a DJ, just okay. to give the full context. Mm-hmm. But the story, I think, was early on this year. Mm-hmm. I remember being in New York at the time and, you know, the, the, the Goldman's released bad results. And then the, 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 the newspaper articles were like, well, you know, he shouldn't be DJing. He should be facing on running Goldman Sachs. So the question is, my mm-hmm. question, my question was, um, public company CEOs pursuing passions outside of the day job. Mm-hmm. So absolutely no way or it depends. Um, 88% of people said absolutely. What What are your thoughts on, on well, it? Well, good point. There's context <laughs> here, right? There's context. In so much as uh, Mr. Solomon um, resided over a, a bank that, yes, ha- they did suffer in terms of their, their, their financial results. They were down to I think two point one billion from three point one the previous quarter. So tough times for them, right? <laughs> Got to feel some sympathy there. Um, and and then I think in terms of him specifically, um, pursue anybody pursuing a, a kind of a, a hobby, whether whichever, yeah, wherever you are in the, in, the, in in the business, if that's your hobby, and that's something that generally um, you're passionate about. I don't think you should be made to to give that up. I think my understanding from him specifically was that the board were worried about the press attention that that might bring based on his position. Um, so I think there was a a kind of gentle encouragement for him to stop to retire. Yeah. For me, I think uh, we talked again. This is a big theme with people we've been talking about for years, like integrating and work in your life. And I think for me, whatever level you're at, it's so important to do things outside of work you know like looking after yourself exercise sleep good nutrition mm-hmm. whether it's you know wanting to be a djing on saturday night to just decompress and unplug mm-hmm. and and things like that so for me like just i think it's so important to have a like a good a good life like there's lots to do and lots of different things mm-hmm. i think with him specifically i uh, i suspect perhaps the thing was the djing because when you think about like raves and mm-hmm. festivals and parties there's always like a drink kind of like almost a misbehavior like kind of like vibe to it right mm-hmm. and so and so maybe it was the perception that mm-hmm. should a goldman sachs ceo be at a party where people are behaving yeah, badly yeah. or whatever maybe, maybe there was that kind of yeah maybe would they have cared if he does does golf every weekend yeah exactly yeah fitted the typical <laughs> perhaps stereotype as it were yeah um, exactly like go play golf for four hours yeah. is that any better or worse than doing an hour set as a dj yeah. i mean actually i don't know about you but I mean, going and having a little dance is incredible. You know, just like yeah. it's exercise. But you know, I mean, if they were thinking, if they were thinking about, you know, kind of perhaps the press attention around that, they probably shouldn't have allowed him to go on record and saying that, you know, Goldman's kind of um, getting everybody their policy or their return to work policy, or the fact that they wanted everybody back in the office um, was. Uh, what did he say? It was like an an 
aberration or something like that. He was, he was just like, basically, I want everybody back in the office. Yeah, yeah. And so they're back in now for five yeah, days. Exactly, yeah. So if they were thinking about kind of negative press attention, they might have maybe thought more about that than his kind of DJing on the side hustle. As That's it were. true. There was an interesting, another interesting Goldman's thing, not picking on Goldman's. Um, they'd, I think it was so in New York, uh, they had free coffee. Mm. I think it was a Starbucks or something there. And mm. then they, they withdrew the free coffee. Um, so I mean, you know, coffee in America, in New York, and it's like four or five dollars or, yeah. or something for a small. You can never mm. get a small; it's extra large or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but they took it away, and the up, you know, the the the, the, the kind of the outcry of like, hold on a sec, mm. you know, and it's not the money because I'm sure people can afford a coffee. Yeah. But it's just interesting that once you give someone something to people, yeah, yeah. the taking away, definitely, it's is is difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you said, this is not about kind of beating up Goldman Sachs, but it is. No. I think there is genuinely, if somebody wants to pursue something that they're super passionate about, they should they should feel a liberty to do that and have the choice to do that in their own personal time. Definitely, you definitely. Know what I mean? I'd encourage, yeah, high five. I mean, you know, it's important to do that. Looking ahead. <laughs> Yay, 2024. Now, 2024. Now, I mean, this is like, I think, near on impossible. I mean, for me anyway. Mm. I mean, look at what's happened this year. Look what's happened. We, I mean, there's so many things going on in, in the world. Um, mm. But is there any, I mean, maybe to start with, are you optimistic about next year in terms of like work, jobs, recruiting and so forth? Or I, I think reading the kind of economic forecasts for 2024, we have reasons to be positive. Small increments in, you know, kind of like profitability, the economy, that sort of thing. I think, you know, um, I, there's definitely reasons to be cheerful and positive. 100%. Good, good. Job market? Again, we'll see, an, I think, an increase in activity. We won't see like the, the kind of big boom that we had when we came out of kind of COVID post-pandemic, but I, I'll, we'll see a steady kind of increase in activity. Okay. Um, and I think that the kind of investment landscape will um, kind of stabilise a little bit more. We'll see where the investment and the money is really being, really being kind of dis, you know, dispersed, as it were. Um, the one thing I will predict for 2024 is leadership will continue to be, and the styles of leadership will continue to be incredibly important. With four generations in the workforce, you have to, you've really got to work on your leadership to be able to kind of grow a company and lead a team and everything along those lines. A thousand percent. And just to even reiterate your point, um, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go with this poll, but let me show you. McKinsey did a, study about it was a survey about six months ago now and the question was um what's the biggest cause of stress in your job this is mckinsey 75 percent of employees said that their boss is the big most stressful part of their work day there you go the poll was do 75 percent of bosses know that um most people said no way 75 mm. percent of people um but no to your point it's it's super important it's difficult yeah leading like remote teams is tough the whole i mean the whole thing so yeah yeah and then ai as well i think you know we i come back to that piece around kind of including your team your employees the individuals in your business in the conversation around what does you know kind of artificial artificial intelligence mean for their role what do they firstly do they think it means can they see the opportunities to utilize it where it's not being utilized and then how does that fit into the wider context of the business and what does that mean for them in terms of training upskilling and the future of their role and how that will change and those conversations need to start now they, they can't be defined by the speed 
of the development of the technology it needs to it needs to almost be in parallel yeah and no, i agree with that it's gonna be interesting to see at the point in future and i don't think it's gonna be 2024 mm. whether ai will be leading companies leading countries i mean they could do a better <laughs> job than some people leading countries right now but it'd be mm. interesting right just even writing policy and and just little things that humans struggle with or argue about or just mm. it's gonna be interesting to see if ai kind of starts to be involved in leading companies and kind of stuff. Wow. Okay. You're taking a leap there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if you, I think I, it's even already started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I encourage mean, anybody listening to read the open AI blogs because actually they're a good source of kind of information. Um, and it, it kind of, I think it will help shape people's thinking and to a degree demystify um some of the uh perhaps the uh the kind of rumor mill that goes with that um it's a good starting point and obviously you can kind of offshoot into different sources um but i do I, again there is that driver around transparency if you if you don't know what's going on you're going to make decisions based on the information you have yeah, yeah. um yeah. and if you feel like your business is gearing up to automate and replace part of the role you currently do and you don't think that there's anything else for you, there's no offer of training, upskilling, anything along those lines, you're going to make a decision based on that. Yeah, I completely agree. And you, you reduce fear by including people in the conversation and you demystify these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? AI isn't as, I think almost sometimes AI isn't as, as developed as people perceive or think it is based on the, the kind of newsreels. True. My, my, my thing for 2024, just for, as advice for people, as in me included, is update your worldview. Mm. There's, there's like, to your point, there's so many things going on, whether it's AI, mm. uh, electric cars. Apparently there are, I got this from The Economist, there's 70 elections next year, mm. country elections. Yeah. The world is like changing incredibly. Yep. So, you know, jump on, jump on YouTube, I don't know, watch people that you completely disagree with, mm. um, go on the AI blogs. I mean, I think just spend spend a little bit of your time yeah. just updating what you think about the world and all of that. 100%, man, 100%. I mean, we're in pre-election mode now, right? In the UK, we're in pre-election mode. If you're not aware of that, you should be. And that will have, you know, you need to be aware of the Tory government's policies on kind of employment, the labour market. You need to be aware of the labours. You know, you need to be aware of that kind of political landscape and what a result, whether a, another Tory win or a Labour win or, a, you know, kind of hung parliament, whatever it is, you need to be aware of what that means for you in your role. And, you know, certainly within talent acquisition and recruitment, that's what I can talk to. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's really important to, to have that kind of updated worldview, yeah. local and global. Global, 100%. For our, for our roles, it's, it's important. It influences everything. Yeah. We talk about hiring. Hmm. You know, like some things that will affect hiring next year a certain i don't know global events that we're not even sure might even who knows what's going to happen yeah, yeah and you need to be aware of everything that's going on hmm. so you can take a view exactly all of these kind of stuff those sort of things will affect the you know, the investment landscape as well policies um that you know say if labor drive more green policies that have been stalled under the tory government that may you know affect where money is being invested in the uk in a startup and scale up community so you you need to be aware of that as a talent acquisition recruitment professional, 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's also like a little bit, sometimes all of this stuff's a little taboo, right? Politics, this, that. But, you know, I think just dive in, mm. educate yourself, yeah. speak to people. Yeah, yeah You know, exactly. like go and understand. And it's, uh, 
it just it's it's just amazing like this growth mindset thing right you just need to know what's going on definitely you don't have to have an opinion on it just be aware yeah yeah you know? yeah 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 so that's one thing that i think one should do my view on just the 2024 forwards i'm i'm an eternal optimist anyway yeah um so you know i can't help but feel optimistic for the future uh, but I think, you know, for, certainly like in terms of real life conversations I've been having with with clients, uh, s more and more have been saying that they're going to be hiring more in 2024. And and even in, like, say, financial services and technology, which are the two big sectors that like kind yeah. of shut down this year, um, are starting slowly to build. So I don't think 2024 is going to be like 21 and 22 because that was like you know <laughs> yeah. like just like the best time for recruiting yeah. just so much stuff but i think we're gradually building i think um you know for me it's focusing on the things you can control and you know all this learning stuff we're talking about just, just doing your, your job in the right way implementing new stuff i think relationships are huge so for for recruiters TA professionals, stuff like that. Just your ability to build long-term relationships and have a long-term view on stuff mm. really pays back. And if you're in a consultancy and this is the year where you find out, found out if you'd built good relationships or not, because yeah. it's not been dead, it's just been less recruiting. Yep. And if you've been getting the, the searches from the you know your best clients or whatever, or have actually they've been going to someone else yeah, yeah. Um, because you've been I don't know, too transactional or too aggressive or too yeah. salesy or yeah. whatever it might be. So I think it's a good moment to really get your house in order. Definitely. And it comes back to your point around having a worldview, right? Um, just talking to them about talent acquisition is not going to be enough. You need to understand the context with which that business is navigating, the, the kind of economic environment that business is navigating because that will invariably influence the teams that they're building or not building as it were yeah, you know yeah. what i mean so yeah yes yeah, and you are you are the eternal optimist man you are one at full energy you got to be you got to be i mean you know because i learned a lot of this all this other stuff is actually like it's in people's mind it's like external events affect people's view on whether they should be investing in new technology or people yeah. or hold, hold on a second like i just let's wait and see yeah you know so yeah a lot of it's it's self-perpetuating and stuff but i think for me you know running a company you just you know you do the things you can you be the best you can and you know things happen plus also in business by the way i mean it's never always good and it's never always bad mm. you're gonna have good years and bad years and that's that's cool you just have yeah. to kind of flow a little bit with it you know it's not ever ever going to be like oh my god this is better than last and da, 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 da. um there's going to be moments where it's just like wow you know that was pretty tough yeah you got to be a bit elastic right yeah you can't be too rigid when it comes to kind of business you got to be able to kind of expand and contract um but keep that kind of stability as well for the people that are with you on the journey yeah yeah so done cool Glenn, man. thank you so much i really thank appreciate you, it Lewis. as always Pleasure, and man. Um, we'll do it again next year. It's our annual thing now, right? Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> Be interested to see what happens, what's actually happened this year. So we'll, uh, yeah, maybe we'll play this last bit back and then get the route, stick the new bit in. Sounds cool, man. Done. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. Please do not forget to subscribe in all the usual places YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts anywhere you like to watch or listen to a podcast any comments or feedback please drop us a dm if you've got anything that you want us to discuss again feel free to get in touch 
Have a wonderful day.